0: Let's pray together and then we'll dive into our message today. Father in heaven, we thank you today that your commitment is to watch over the land from the beginning until the end of the year. And that you have uh, put out promises for us at the beginning of the year. Also conditions, but promises that uh, you enable us to meet the conditions for. So bless us to that end, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before you make New Year's resolutions, before you start a reading plan, you buy exercise equipment, (laughs) get a journal, buy a bunch of books, (laughs) before you do all that, maybe the thing we should talk about today is something that transcends all that, and that would be a purpose for your life. Why is it that you would live? Because I don't know about you, but I've made a lot of resolutions that I've not kept. Anybody else join me in that? Because the weather, the inevitable temptations, the distractions, the setbacks usually overcome us unless our why is big enough. What is the reason we have to live? Why is it that we're here? And that might drive everything else. Well, Jesus talked about this, and I was reminded of the text, and actually chose for today's sermon based on this little bit of research. The most downloaded text on the U Version app of the Bible. I have a U Version app on my phone. Some of you have that on your phones. There's a Gateway or Bible. It's a Gateway. Bible Gateway. There's a U version. There's different versions that are on various applications, but the most downloaded text this year was, in fact, Matthew six thirty-three, most searched text, most downloaded text on that U version. Which last year it was calling for the healing of the land. Uh, the Google, the most uh, sought-after terms this year. On Google looking back, back at this last year were seeking healing, and our motto here at the university is to heal a hurting world. But the most um, searched or downloaded text on the U version was Matthew 6:33. You probably know it as a course. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you hallelujah hallelujah most downloaded text this year speaks of priority seek ye first Speaks of intensity, seek is really intense, an intense word. If with all your heart ye truly seek me, ye shall ever surely find me. And then a promise. If you do this, you seek, make this the first priority, all these things will be added unto you. All these things. So what are all these things? It doesn't say in the text, and the song we just sang isn't the full song, because it actually starts by saying, but. It just doesn't sound good in a song. But seek ye first. So we cut it out. So what is it that we should be expecting? What are these things that will be added? It gives us a clue as we look up in the verses before. In Matthew chapter 6, starting back there, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spend. And yet, I say to you that even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes of the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you knows that you need all these things, these things. What are the things? What are the things? Food, drink, adding stature to your height or how you look. I don't look tall enough. Have you ever someone that's that's concerned about their body size or your body size? They're always concerned. Don't worry about it, it says. Or clothes. Don't worry about your clothes. For after all these things, the Gentiles, the pagans, seek. Don't worry about it. So, does that mean then, does that mean um, that if I just... Have a personal relationship with Jesus. <laughs> There's gonna be meals on wheels. <laughs> Does that mean that, you know, just packages are gonna show up, you know, with maybe a nice new bathrobe with a fur collar or whatever else I might need? <laughs> is it just gonna show up? Um, is that how this works? And by the way, is the text, in fact, even talking about? A personal relationship with Christ. Mm. I mean, I think a personal relationship with Jesus is is important. But this is uh, sometimes a very selfish thing, just talking about me and God, and we're just together, and we're just, you know, it's just us. (laughs) He walks with me and talks with me and tells me I'm his own. (laughs) No, it's a little more comprehensive than that. I've heard so many sermons about that being the most important thing, but this says no, something different. Seek ye first something else, not that, even though it's important. Uh, I, I, seek ye first, what does it say? The kingdom of God. This is a little different, a little more expansive, a larger why than just me, my, my, I. Okay. It's the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? About a hundred times in the Gospels it talks about it. There's people that debate this back and forth. You know, they have books about it. George Alden Ladd has an old book. I've I've read books on this. I'm reading the dissertation right now because I'm interested in it. But basically, there are some things we know it is not. Okay? John 18... 36, my kingdom is not of this world, else I would fight. So I hate to break it to you, the kingdom of God is not being a Republican. Sorry about that. Do not lift up the Trump or Trumpets, just put them down, okay? The kingdom of God is not politics. It's not the Democrats. I hate to break it to you if you're biding your time. No. It is not the Democrats. It is not the Republicans. This is not the kingdom of God. Um, In fact, in Luke 17, 20, it says that the kingdom of God is not something that can even be observed. You can't even observe it. That's Luke 17, 20. Luke 17, 21 goes even further and says that the kingdom of God is something that's within you. Don't say, here it is, there it is, but it's within you. Jesus says it already has arrived when he was speaking. He says, when I'm speaking, when I'm here, the kingdom of God has arrived. Matthew 3, verse 2. Tell everyone about it. Matthew 10, verse 7. The kingdom of God. Parables of the kingdom. We could spend, maybe you could spend this afternoon reading the parables of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like, is like this, is like that. Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4. So whatever the kingdom of God is, it's something that we can realize now but we also look forward. Remember, there were kingdoms in Daniel chapter seven. Daniel chapter seven. There was Babylon. There was Media-Persia. There was Greece. There was Rome, and then there was the final kingdom, that stone kingdom. We look forward to that. Yet, in some sense, we can experience the kingdom of God here and now. There are some people that are going to have a hard time getting into the kingdom. Who are the people that have a hard time getting into the kingdom? Yes. Matthew 19, 23 and 24. It is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so many of the writs turned down the invitation even. I don't even want to do that. Now some have told me, I don't know if it's true, because there's a lot of things tour guides tell you, but you know, I've been to Jerusalem a number of times, and people will point to this gate. This was the needle gate, right there where, where they would, when they came they had to take everything off the camel. And then the camel could go through, and then after the camel went through, then they would put everything back on on the other side. I don't know if that's true or not, but the whole idea is it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than many others. And that should get our attention because the Advent movement is known by a message specifically to the Advent movement that says it's rich and increased with goods and feels like it needs nothing. So it's very hard for Leah to see and members looking at Revelation chapter 3 to even be interested in the kingdom of God. Um, Kingdom of God. A tough concept for the rich and for Laodiceans. But the poor, it's much easier for the poor. The poor seem to be a lot more interested in the kingdom of God. Right? Um, in fact, the Beatitudes in this very Sermon on the Mount we're considering start out by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So, <laughs> this, is, this is fascinating. Matthew twenty one thirty one says that It's much easier for tax collectors and for harlots to get into the kingdom of God than rich people. Luke 14, 21, the poor, the maimed, um, the lame, the blind. These people are very interested in the kingdom of God. Blessed are you poor, for for yours is the kingdom of God. I remember I was in Bangkok a couple of years ago. And uh, when I got there, the man who was escorting me to the hotel, giving me um, transportation, we had to walk down this back street. And there were all these prostitutes on the back street. And they were all saying, would you like a massage? I've never been offered a massage that many times in ever. And I said, well, you know, my wife gives me massage. And I I didn't even stop. We just kept walking. Then a couple days later, we went on a tour to the temple. The most famous temple of Buddha is in Bangkok. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a very interesting place. And so we went there to this very famous temple. And our tour guide was a lady. And so I said to her, do you believe in reincarnation? Of course, I know she's going to say yes. Yes. So you believe you must be born again. Yes. I said, I believe that too. You must be born again. But I don't believe as often as you do. I think just once. Um, But if you had to be born again, she goes, I will be born again. It's not if I have to, I will be born again. What would you come back as? Would you come back? Where would you want to be if you came back? Would you like to give massage? She looked at me. No, I will not give massage. I do not want to give massage. What do you want to do? I would like to come back and work in temple. And then I realized, wow. Wow. She's got her heart in the right place. She wants to be in God's temple. Hallelujah, right? And What is it that we truly desire? Do we desire to be in God's temple? What is it we're seeking after? Kingdom of God, why is it that the poor are so interested? Why is it that the tax collectors are so interested? Why is it that harlots are so interested? Why is it that the the blind, the lame, the maimed and poor are so interested? Because they have a sense of need. They have something they desire that they don't have. They're maimed, so they couldn't even go into the temple if they wanted, because no one could go in if they were maimed. And they would like to be healed, so they could get into the temple. They want to be a, you know, a, a sanctified and perfect sacrifice, so they could get into the temple. Crippled, the blind, the lame, the prostitutes, the tax collectors are very interested because the kingdom of God is the place where debts are forgiven. Matthew 18 tells a whole story about someone who had a bunch of people that owed him debts or he owed a bunch of debt rather, it starts out. He talks about all the debt he owed and then that debt was forgiven him but then he had a bunch of servants who owed him debts, and he began to be exacting and say, you have to pay everything back. And Jesus said to him, what? You're not going to the kingdom of heaven because you're not forgiving other people like I forgave you. So the kingdom of heaven is a place where debts are forgiven. How many be interested in having your debts forgiven financially or any other way? So, you know, the Hebrew economy was very interesting. And Jesus is not charting any ground here. He's saying um, basically that you need to really apply what the Old Testament says here, even in New Testament times. The problem was they were just talking, but they weren't doing. Why am I saying that? Because debts were remitted every seven years. You couldn't run up your credit cards for more than seven years. How many of you have figured out how to run up your credit cards for more than seven years? I mean, I have credit cards and I look at them and they say, if you pay off the minimum balance on your credit card at this rate, like you just pay the minimum payment, it will take you 23 years. I'm not asking for an offering today. That's, that's, not, that's not the point. I, I, I pay it off before that. But haven't you seen those breakdowns? That would never happen in the Old Testament Hebrew economy. After seven years, everything was wiped clean. You say, that sounds like the Democrats. No, no, no. There's other text for the Republicans there, too, in the chapter. Every, and by the way, let's say you were a complete financial disaster in terms of management of resources. And you not only went in debt for seven years, you actually bartered away your, your house. I was sitting on a plane coming back, or leaving Vegas, and I was next to this guy. He had gambled everything away. He lost everything. He was actually crying. I said, what happened? He goes, I lost everything. What did you do? You know what I did. I'm in Vegas. I said Uh, And he's reading a magazine that talks about how they confuse the mind with all the different things. They give you free food. They give you free drink. Don't worry about what you will eat or wear or not wear if you're in Vegas. We'll take care of you. Everything stays in Vegas, including your money. (laughs) So he was crying as he left. And he had a magazine, and the magazine he was reading... Says, this tells why they were able to steal my money. This is what happens, and this is exactly what happened. There was only one safe place that I could go, and I never went there. It was the bathroom. (laughs) That's the only place you never went. So, if you are unintelligent enough to gamble away all your money, even in the Hebrew economy, even if you lost everything like this man lost, you got it back every 49th year, every 50th year. What if that happened in this country? Or any country. Everybody has a portion of land, and they get it back. Collectivism, you say! Communism! No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. It was like this. Sometimes some people were poor. Sometimes other people were poor. Sometimes people lost everything. Sometimes other people lost everything. But there was this great leveling system, you might say, (laughs) that lets you have another chance. Pretty interesting. you want to read more about it, there's a great chapter in the book Ministry of Healing called the unemployed and homeless. But let me just read the summary statement found in verse 185. Thus, every family was secured in its possession, and a safeguard was afforded against the extremes of either wealth or want. Very interesting. God's not calling for people to be poor. He's not calling for people to be rich. He's not connecting that, I might say. He's not saying, if you're rich, you get into the kingdom, or if you're poor, you get into the kingdom, right? Um, he's saying, I've got that figured out. If you seek my kingdom and its principles first, all these things will be added unto you. Very interesting concept. Now, what's the punchline? How do you get into the kingdom? Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the what? Will of my Father in heaven. Do you have to be rich to do that? Do you have to be poor to do that? That's why I'm saying those categories even fall away when you see the entrance requirement. Many who say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonderful things in your name? I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So those who do not enter the kingdom are those that practice lawlessness. They don't do the will of the Father in heaven. The will of the Father is what? I delight to do thy will. Thy law is written in my heart. So lawlessness. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. This is the requirement. The will of the Father in heaven. But that's not what it says. Seek ye, not all uh, that it says, the text says, but seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. Now it ends up that this is also something that we should consider his righteousness. Um, Even in God's prayer, you know, The Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is related to the righteousness of God. What then is this righteousness of God? Well, first of all, it's something, Matthew tells us, that we should hunger after. Matthew 5, verse 6. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. But this is not the righteousness of just looking at the details and marking off a bunch of check boxes like the scribes and Pharisees were doing in some kind of superficial way because what does it say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20? But I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So what is this? What is it to seek the kingdom of God in His righteousness? What does this mean? Well, we find it by just reading just reading the Sermon on the Mount. We won't read the whole thing. I'll just give you some high points. And the whole point here is it's not enough to say things with your lips. It's got to be something that moves your hips. <laughs> In other words, you've got to have not only prayer, but action. Amen. Right? That's the whole idea of the Sermon on the Mount. It's very practical. It's not talking about something. It's actually doing something. Um, Abraham commanded his children after him to keep the commandments and the way of the Lord. Genesis 18, 19 says, By doing righteousness and justice. Righteousness is not something we talk about. It's something we do. We do righteousness and we do justice. Seven times the word righteousness is mentioned in Matthew. And we hunger and thirst have it. But let's take a closer look. Look down here. Right after it says that your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. What does it say next? Verse 21. You have heard, Matthew 5, verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of the judgment. So in other words, it's not just saying, well, look, what I did didn't, didn't kill anybody. I mean, nobody's dead. It's saying, don't think that superficially. Think about actually your emotions and attitudes and your thoughts that underlie that. How many of you have ever been angry at somebody and heard the expression, if looks could kill? And this is what he's talking about. It's saying, look, here's the problem. If you want to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness then it's got to go deeper than just your actions in one sense. It's got to go back to your thoughts as well. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. It continues on, verse 27. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So again, the commandment was, don't commit adultery. Well, I, I, never, I never slept with that woman. Uh, I think we had a president that said that once. And they were arguing about what the definition of is is. How many of you remember this? And we've had a number of presidents that have problems in these areas, yes. And, and so do so a number of church members as well. And what he's saying is, it's not enough to just be able to, to have some kind of legalistic definition that gets you supposedly off the hook, because I know what you're thinking and your righteousness is actually starting with your thoughts, not just your deeds. Hmm. Carried on in how they, they, they would divorce people, divorcing people. For any reason, he says, no, 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 no. There's only specific reasons. And then uh, oaths, 33 through 37, to say, let your yes be your yes and your no, your no. Don't swear by this or by that or the others. In other words, don't take God's name in vain. Can you see what it's doing here? The righteousness of God is related to what? The Ten Commandments. Seek ye first The kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is based on what? The principles of God, which are his Ten Commandment law. So when it says, this is the most downloaded text in America. In other words, chances are, if you're talking to anybody about the Bible, many of them have said this is their most important text. So I'm studying this week today so you'll have something to talk to people about. And you should be talking to people, everybody you meet, about God and about Bible text. I was picking up some food for my family the other day, person preparing the food. I said, what's your name? He said, Jeremiah. I said, "Uh uh-huh. Do you know anything more about Jeremiah other than that he was a bullfrog? (laughs) He says, yes, he was a prophet in the Bible. And he pulled up his sleeve and it showed Jeremiah, a text from Jeremiah. I know the thoughts I have for you had it right there. We had a great conversation. How many think we should be engaging more in this new year about this? And this is the most downloaded text. So chances are you're going to talk to somebody who thinks this is an important text, yes? And you begin to understand now and explain, seek ye first the kingdom of God, you have a a, a greater view of that, and his righteousness, that's related to the law of God. Going on down through the list. Not... I'm just rapidly going to do this. Verse 38 and 39, we studied it a couple weeks ago. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other also. If he wants to sue you, take away your tunic. Let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two miles. What's this saying? In the new year, what's this saying? You want to try something new? Don't just respond tit for tat. (laughs) They did this, I'm going to do that. They did this, I'm going to do that. They knocked out my tooth, I'm going to knock out their tooth. And they're lucky I didn't knock out more. I'm just doing one tooth for one tooth. Better than that, Jesus says, if you really want to turn the tables. (laughs) They knock out your tooth Don't maybe give them an extra set of dentures. I don't know. Do something that's unexpected, turn it around. Don't let the back and forth continue. Yes, this is the whole idea. How many think this is a good New Year's resolution? It's God's resolution here. That's what He's saying. (laughs) Be forgiving, (laughs) you know. Turn the other cheek. Don't do good things just to impress people. That's what it says in chapter 6, verse 1. Don't pray just to impress people. We have a lot of prayer ministries these days. Everybody's like, uh, are you in the prayer ministry? Did you pray all night in the woods? Don't, don't talk about that stuff all the time. Instead, have your prayer ministry, fine, fine, but have it connected to something you actually do. How about that? How many think we have all kinds of prayer ministries in the church today? We do. All kinds of because it's kind of easy to talk about prayer. But it's not that easy to do something. I'm not saying prayer is not doing something. I'm gonna get crucified here, I think, but there is there is a power of collective prayer. But the way I believe it works is, as you pray, God impresses you. He's able to direct you more fully as you understand more things from your prayer time with others. But he doesn't just have you pray so you can just sit there and say, I prayed. As the, way, the way Ellen White says it is, he who prays only will soon cease, and he doesn't get anything done. <laughs> right? And especially those that like to say, you know, look at me and how much I'm praying. This is not revival, it is contrival. So, what he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, the corners of the streets, so that they might be seen of men. But when you pray, go into your room, shut your door, pray to your Father who's in a secret place. And your Father will reward you openly. Here's the thing. If you give so people can see that you're giving, the only thing you get is the clunk in the bucket that day. And everybody goes, wow. That's it. That's your reward. If you pray and all you do is talk about how you prayed, that's all you get. You don't get answers to prayer. Does that make sense? So he's saying radically... If you seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, this is how you act. Very interesting. This is another hard one. Um, <laughs> 19, 6, 19 through 21. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't store up money. <laughs> I mean, that that's how I many think that's not a problem for me. My money's all God. <laughs> right? <laughs> don't store up money. But some of you might not have that problem. You might have additional cash stored up. He says, Don't do that. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God is righteousness, you don't store up money. You give it away to advance the kingdom. That's what you do. Radical. This text that's the most downloaded text is radical. It's something that will change your life. Mm -hmm. And don't get involved in complicated surgical operations to remove the specks from people's eyes because you have a beam in your head. (laughs) That's what it says in 7, 1 through 4. Okay, in the new year... Put away your spiritual ophthalmology surgical instruments and ask God to take the beam out of your head. Now, some people say Jesus never said anything that was humorous. Well, it's not humorous in a slapstick way. It's deadly funny. How many of you ever gone to the doctor's office and you see a beam coming out of the eye doctor's head? <laughs> You know, when they heard Jesus, it says the common people heard him gladly. They just, they just had to chuckle. By the way, he actually, he was using the parables of the people, the scribes and Pharisees of his day. He was only changing the punchline or the conclusion. Let's call it a punchline. Let's call it the conclusion. And people were like, Whoa. summarizes it, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And then that summary text that we already read, obedience to all. Look with me for a moment at Matthew chapter 25 and see how this applies one more time, because not everyone's going to get into the kingdom of heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Which means some people will get into the kingdom of heaven and some will not. Only those who make it top priority and keep it top priority get into the kingdom. Let me show it to you from the Bible. When the Son of Man comes, Matthew 25, verse 31, in his glory with all his holy angels with him, and he will sit on the throne of his glory. The nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left, and then the king will come to those on his right hand and say, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit, inherit the what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It's always been available from the foundation of the world till now in principle. But now it's realized in reality. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and and feed you or thirsty and give you drink when did you we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you and the king will answer and say assuredly i say to you much as you did it to one of the least of these you did it unto me so those people actually got it they made it a priority anytime they saw someone hungry they tried to feed them anytime they saw someone thirsty they tried to give them a drink Anytime someone was in jail, they went to visit them. Anytime there was someone naked, they tried to clothe them. Anytime someone was sick, they said, we're here to heal a hurting world. And they helped them regardless of who they were. I'm beginning to get the idea of what the kingdom is. Is it a larger why than just your personal relationship? It's a little larger, isn't it? Yes? It's huge. Notice the others. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed. And the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? So this is like, okay, they're going to be burned up. In other words, this text is very important. Seek me first and my kingdom and righteousness, and these things will be added to you. But if you don't seek me first and my righteousness... (laughs) <laughs> you're going to be subtracted from the equation forever. How many think this is all for all the marbles? Yes or no? Yes? <laughs> Why not? For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, verse 43, you did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry, thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or imprisoned, and did not minister to you? And then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, insomuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Wow. Powerful words. You know, sometimes we get the idea like Peter had in Mark chapter 10. Look at Mark chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, chapter 10. Mark, chapter 10, verse 28. We get this idea. And uh, what is it that Peter says? Peter begins to talk to him and say, We have left all and followed you. Starts to talk about all he's left behind. How sacrificial he's been. I left everything for you, Jesus. Jesus just couldn't take it. I mean, how many of you think Jesus is listening to this? And he says, wait a minute. Uh, If anybody left anything, it would be me. (laughs) I left heaven. I became like you. Incarnation, all this. (laughs) I'm surprised Jesus didn't start laughing. (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) But what does he say? Notice what he says. I think it's for us as well. Jesus answered and said, assuredly, in other words, verily, verily. In other words, my dad would say this too. I say to you, "There's, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time and houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, however, eternal life. In other words, he says to him, look, <clears throat> you're trying to say, I'm saying, seek this first, and you're saying, hey, look, we gave up everything. No, 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 you don't understand, you don't get it. When you give up everything for Jesus, when you seek Him first, you gain everything. You gain so much more, you don't even realize how much more you gain. I mean, think about it for a minute. You're now in touch with someone who can feed all the birds every day all year his 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 eyes are on the land from the beginning to the end bill gates bezos musk crick whoever the rich people are you know all of these these people could not <laughs> Sorry, <okay. laughs> these people could not feed the birds for one day not even an hour So don't think about it that way. Think about, look, when I make God first in my life, in other words, when I put his kingdom and his righteousness first, he's going to supply me like he supplies the birds. He has every resource. Now, how many of you have ever experienced this? I was just in the early service was talking about, you know, how many of you have ever been to a different country? You didn't even know anybody there well, somebody took care of you. Has that ever happened to you? (laughs) Man, it's happened to me a lot. And it's all because I'm a part of the church, the kingdom of God. And I go to a church, and they say, they treat me like long-lost relatives. Come to our house. Do you need a place to stay? I remember once I missed a plane. I was in the wrong city, spelled the same way, but it's one letter different. I found out that I was like 500 kilometers away from where I'm supposed to be. What do you do? So someone calls up the local Adventist church. They say, no problem. They come and pick me up. They fix me breakfast. I have, they take care of all my needs. Look at this. I'm rich. What if I wasn't with Christ and his church? I'd be frozen in Norway. <laughs> no. God saw fit to help me, Right. What about our brother here just recently got in an accident in Africa? He gets, he gets hit by a truck. <laughs> that's a bad thing to happen in any place, much less a place that you're not familiar with. But within 10 minutes of me here, I call someone, and I mean many other people did, it's not me. But a bunch of people called a bunch of people. Pretty soon you got all the church members over there making sure he gets to the right hospital, the right place. They're putting him this place. Look, that's because he's rich. He might have left father and mother or had some things go wrong in his family for speaking the truth, but he has a much larger family net. Amen. I remember once I was in, in, uh, in a country, I'd, I only knew one person. One person. So I go to the Adventist church, I say the guy's name. Oh yeah, we know him. I'm actually his sister. You can stay here in our apartments. $2.50 a night. <laughs> because I'm rich, that's why. Can you say Hallelujah? So when you join the church, you've joined an organization that takes care of one another. It's not a small thing. That's not a small. It's a big thing. Amen. And that's what it's saying. And this is the beauty of this text. So many people chose it. I don't know if they know the beauty of it. But what it's saying is there's this kind of network called the kingdom of God. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. That when you're poor, there's other people in that community that are rich that will help you. That when you're rich, you'll give away your money to help other people. That when you don't have a house, someone else will have a house. When you have extra food, you'll give it away. And this whole thing begins to work in this collective community, the kingdom of God called the church. How many of you are thankful to be in the church? (laughs) How many of you want to be more committed to the church and to the idea of church? The elders met this morning. They're praying about the different members. All the members here are in different teams. They're getting in touch with all the members, make sure everything's okay. Last night, my generator wasn't working well. And one of the elders came over and said, "Here, here's how. Here's something that might help you." Gave me some things. I learned some great lessons. Always use the purest of gas with the generator. He didn't berate me or anything. He just brought the antidote. And hallelujah! And you help one another. That's the church. That's the church. How many think it's a good thing to be in the church? I mean, it's a good thing to connect people with the church. And by the way, the whole idea of this, look, um, we're supposed to be expanding the kingdom of God. So we go out into the community and we say, well, no, I'm sorry, you're not my church member, so I'm not going to help you. No, 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 no. Eh, No, I will help you with whatever you need. Total community involvement. Because as that happens, it's no longer tit for tat. It's like, wait a minute. These people care about me and then then the, the community of faith increases and increases and the kingdom of God and righteousness leavens in a positive way the world. Wow. It ends up that that text is the best text you could download. But how many want to just confess with me that sometimes we get our priorities wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, the last three days were probably the best days to do evangelism in your community, if you lived up in this area. Some of you watching may not know that we had the power go out, and we had a massive snowstorm, knocked a bunch of trees down. We got enough work for total community involvement for like three years now. But going out there and helping. One person told me this morning that there five or seven trees went down, I guess maybe because they're Seventh-day Adventists, but seven trees went down on their property. And they were working and working, but then some neighbors came to help them. They brought heavy equipment. They began to help. I was watching social media. I saw all the pre-Adventists out there that were helping other people. Not taking advantage, but helping. One guy puts on social media, ah, uh, Our power came back on. Anyone is welcome to come over and take a shower. Just bring your towels and soap. You can, now he's probably not saying that because of the water shortage. But, and there were all kinds of those. One was saying, well, this lady and her husband came and shoveled four driveways of the elderly people here. And they said, and they took pictures of them. And people started to respond to one another. People got to know each other over the last 72 hours that never knew each other. So there's this great opportunity for the what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness to be extended and expanded. Wow. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And now you're beginning to understand how all these things will be added unto you. Have no food? You get food. No clothes? You get clothes. (laughs) Wow. And even as you do that, your stature increases in the community because you're giving glory to God. You add more than a cubit to your size. People say, wait a minute. Wow. It's a kingdom of God principle. Mm -hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And that's our first text for for the new year. Let's sing together our closing song, Baptize Us anew and ask God to give us an outpouring of his spirit to baptize us anew with this kingdom view together. Let's stand together as we sing, baptize us anew. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.